Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, it is a twofold. Um, we are going to be looking at, first and foremost, um, the very um, early free agency situation. We are going to be looking at the potential, um, you know, players who could be available and kind of, you know, looking at the whole situation there. And then we will be looking at, um, you know, some comments made. This was about maybe a week or two ago with um, Raphael Stone, who is the general manager of the Houston Rockets. We'll be looking at what he said and um, how I think it's worth looking at. So, yeah, let's get started with free agency. So, 2021 free agency class at one point in time looked like it could have been much bigger and better than it actually was. And for um, a majority of people um, who cover the NBA and who watch the NBA, there were players that looked like they could have been on the market, but um, now they are not. And this is kind of brought up, at least in my opinion, brought up because of the fact that Drew Holiday signed a four-year $135 million contract, which could, with incentives, be $160 million. And for a guy like Drew Holland, that's a big deal. He's playing great. He's on a team. He seems happy. And, you know, Milwaukee has this core of players who are here for the long haul. And between Holiday and Chris Middleton and Antetokounmpo over the next three years, their cap situation will be at least between those three guys over um, a million dollars. Um, you know, Middleton is making over 30, so is Giannis, and so would Drew Holiday. So they're looking pretty good with those three. They got Brooke Lopez, who makes $12 million, and then they got a bunch of other guys kind of scattered in. And so he's off the market. You know, Anthony Davis was at one point in time a potential free agent in 2021. That's not going to be the case anymore. And so now we're going to look at some of the names, and we're not going to look at where they're going to go, but just kind of if they're gonna stick around with their team if they're gonna if they're on uh, restricted free agents if they have player options team options what have you and kind of see what's going on there so the first one on our list is uh chris paul who has a player option who odds are will just accept that because he's making you know he'll be making over 40 million and he is someone who's been in the league for a while he's got this big contract which it's something he won't get anywhere else and he's doing good with this team. I think, you know, Phoenix is okay keeping him around because they're much better with Chris Paul at the point guard than Rubio or any of the other guys they had last year, Ty Jerome. Um, they got Javon, Javon Carter still, um, but he's a bench guy. And so Chris Paul's their guy, and he's helping them out so much. So he's sticking around. Then we have Mike Conley, who has... Um, this season, he makes $34.5 million. He's an unrestricted free agent. I think he's going to stick with Utah because, you know, things are going in the right direction with Utah. They're the best team in the West, and they're not looking like they're stopping. And my assumption is Mike Conley has played pretty much his whole career in Memphis until now, and I think he's going to finish his career in Utah, um, barring anything uh, from changing. And uh, so I think he's sticking around, and we're looking at that. Now, looking at some of the other players we're going to go down the list, this is just to kind of mention, uh, these players come based off of their salary this season, 
and so this is how they are being seen and how I'm looking at them there's no specific order other than that so next on our list could be uh, a free agent player option Kawhi Leonard um, there is a chance that he opts out if things don't go well in the playoffs but you got Paul George you got Rondo you got a good group surrounding you Ty Lue's there I don't see Kawhi Leonard leaving I think you know this is what he wanted was to go to Los Angeles and he's going to stick around for the long haul then we have Kyle Lowry, who is going to be an unrestricted free agent, and there were talks of him going to his hometown in Philly, but those kind of splintered when um, Toronto wanted Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thybulle, which it seems like they were just willing to give up uh, Tyrese Maxey. Um, and so that ended. Lakers almost had Kyle Lowry, and this was probably the closest of the deals because it was uh, pretty much set in stone except for the fact that Toronto wanted Talon Horton Tucker, and the Lakers would not budge, and I still think that's kind of stupid that they didn't make the trade. I mean, Talon Horton Tucker is a good player, but KCP, Dennis Schroeder, and Talon Horton Tucker for Kyle Lowry, that seems like a no-brainer. You could, with AD and LeBron, and um, they would have brought in Andre Drummond and Kyle Lowry. You have a great starting lineup. So, um, yeah, he's still there. And Miami had interest, but Tyler Hero was off the table, so they kind of, you know, nothing happened there. And so Kyle Lowry most likely is an unrestricted free agent who will stay in Toronto with some sort of a smaller deal. I could see him making $22 million, $20 million, $18 million over three, four years, um, some sort of deal like that. We'll see. But he's um, an unrestricted free agent, so there's that. This year, I will say, there's a lot of veterans who are in the unrestricted free agency group and not a lot of guys who are in the prime of their career. Um, like I said, Mike Conley, you got Kyle Lowry, um, and there will be others. Um, next is Otto Porter Jr., who was recently traded to Orlando. He's probably going to go into unrestricted free agency, going to another team. I could see him making $10, 12000000 on a playoff team. Maybe Dallas, maybe um, Philadelphia, maybe Boston, you know, if the Celtics want to throw that out there. So I can see Otto Porter Jr. getting a decent contract. It's not going to be what he's making, but good enough. Then we have DeMar DeRozan, who is basically a question mark to me. Maybe he stays, maybe he goes. I think, you know, there is a chance that he goes somewhere else if he wants to compete, because I don't know if the Spurs are on that competitive level yet um, they got a lot of young guys who are still kind of figuring it out so I would expect unrestricted free agency DeMar DeRozan he's going to look at all his options then we have Victor Oladipo who uh, I think Victor's going to stay in Miami because I think Miami's going to have a good playoff run and he's going to be a big part of that and I think for him he got what he wanted so he's going to stick around he's an unrestricted free agent anyways and I'm sure um, just the fact that you know, he wanted to go to Miami so bad, he's probably going to stick around. Teams probably won't offer him what uh, Miami will. Then we got Tim Hardaway Jr., who I think will easily make $15 million. He's a great guy, at averaging or can average close to 20 points a game. And I think Dallas will hold on to him, unless another team wants to offer him more. If there's a team out there that has $20 million to throw, he'll leave and go there. Then we have Gordon Drogic, who has a team option, which... Most likely, um, they will accept that unless there's a reason for them not to. 
um, if there's a potential player out there they're going after, if there's a free agent. So let's say they want Victor Oladipo in there, and let's say they also want DeMar DeRozan. Then maybe they'll, you know, just kind of get rid of Drogic. Or let's say they want Kyle Lowry. They're like, okay, we'll get him an unrestricted free agency. He's friends with Jimmy Butler. Um, then maybe they'll get rid of Gordon Drogic and let him kind of walk away. And I think he'd have suitors. Dallas has a lot of international guys. Maybe he'd go there. Um, there are a bunch of teams that need point guards. Maybe the Clippers. You know, who knows? Moving on, we have Evan Fournier, who's an unrestricted free agent or can be an unrestricted free agent. Um, there's a chance that the Celtics resign him. Um, and I think, you know, for the right price, that's what they'll do. He's kind of been up and down, at least with the Celtics. He's had some good games, some not so good games, but I guess it all depends on how the season goes for him. And, you know, the Celtics will make the playoffs, and I think Evan Fournier will have to prove himself to, to be worth it. But even if the Celtics say no, there's a bunch of teams out there that would have interest uh, for sure. Then we have Dennis Schroeder, who I think is in the same boat as Evan Fournier. He's someone that you're going to have to look at um, in a potential uh, re-signing situation. I think the Lakers, you know, could really use him long-term. And he's someone who is really finding his footing here in Los Angeles, despite, you know, being a solid point guard in Atlanta and then in OKC. Schroeder's going to fit in nicely with LeBron, AD, um, Andre Drummond. They'll be a good group, and he's going to probably stick around. Then we have a couple of unrestricted free agents, Rudy Gay, Danny Green, Cody Zeller. I don't see any of these guys getting big contracts. Um, they're probably just going to you know, be unrestricted free agents. I don't see Zeller going back to Charlotte. Danny Green could go back to Philly, and Rudy Gay is probably not going back to San Antonio. Then we have um, team option Andre Iguodala, and like Gordon Dragic, I don't see them uh, going out and uh, declining that team option unless there's a reason for it. I think if this year's free agency class is okay, not great, and next year's free agency class is better, then they might hold on to guys like Drogic and Iguodala for the extra year. Um, more so, if they keep the guys around, then they don't have that open cap space to tempt them to go out and sign someone um, in this year's free agency. And maybe they keep those guys around because they'll be free agents the following year, and then you can use that cap space on someone maybe a little bit better. But um, odds are they're going to stick around um, unless, like I said, there's a reason for that. Then we have Kelly Oubre, who's got an unrestricted free agency coming up. And I think Golden State probably should have traded him just because now they have to pay him. And I don't know if they would have wanted to. And you could have gotten someone who makes $14 million and is locked up for a few years. Or, whereas now you have to deal with the whole Kelly Oubre situation. And more importantly, and this is just for the future reference, Clay Thompson will come back healthy next year, and you'll have Steph Clay, Andrew Wiggins, and Kelly Oubre basically fighting for three spots because odds are either Eric Pascal or Draymond Green will be your power forward and Weissman's your center. So for Oubre, he might be the odd man out. Maybe he goes somewhere else um, and is not part of this group anymore. Then we got Will Barton who has a player option, he'll probably accept that. I think things are looking good for him. Patty Mills is an unrestricted free agent. He's probably going to head out and go somewhere else because I think his time in San Antonio has um, ended. J.J. Redick just got traded to Dallas. Maybe he'll stick around. Maybe he'll get um, moving. I think he wants to go to the 
uh, Atlantic Division because he lives in New York and wants to go to Boston or Philly or New York um, or one of those spots, Brooklyn, who knows. Um, so he'll probably um, test the water, see if any of those teams have um, openings, and then go from there. We have Justice Winslow, who has a team option. They'll probably accept that. He's still fairly young. Kelly Olenek is um, an unrestricted free agent. He is a, you know, pretty solid player, and um, I think he'll re-sign because apparently um, Raphael Stone and, you know, the whole organization likes Kelly Olenek a lot. Trevor Ariza, unrestricted free agent, he'll probably get a smaller contract, and that's where I see him. Tony Schnell, same thing, he'll probably get a smaller contract as a role player somewhere. Player option for Spencer Dinwiddle, he'll probably accept that. I don't see him leaving. Lonzo Ball has a qualifying offer, which that's uh, one of the biggest contracts that'll be out there. I think um, New Orleans will accept um, a big offer um, for Lonzo. Throw that out there, and he'll probably stick around. You got player options for Norm Powell, Josh Richardson. Both those guys will accept that. I think they fit in nicely where they are. You got Montrez Harrell and Derek Jones Jr. with player options, as well as Serge Ibaka. I think they'll all stick around and accept those. Paul Millsap's an unrestricted free agent. I don't see him going really anywhere else at this point. He's going to probably resign. You got Lou Williams and P.J. Tucker, who are unrestricted free agents. I expect them to get much less uh, contracts, uh, and I see them being a big part of their teams. Um, I don't know where they'll go. Probably P.J. Tucker will stick around in Milwaukee, but Lou Williams could go somewhere else, depending on the situation. I think, um, and that's just me. Then we got Doug McDermott, who's an unrestricted free agent. He'll probably stay in um, Indiana at some point, get uh, a bigger deal, um, or something around $7 million, which is what he's making now. I don't see that as too big of an issue. And so those are just some of the bigger names in the whole free agency um, 2021 class. Some of these guys might sign contracts beforehand, so they're not even on the market. Some of these guys uh, will test the waters. Some might stay with their team. Some might move on. And again, it all depends on how things go in the playoffs. For some of these guys, and more importantly, how things go from just a team standpoint. So that's the situation right there. Next, what I want to look at is some comments made from new one-year general manager Raphael Stone on a um, conference that he had. Um, and so we're going to look at that. So Raphael Stone, to start, basically um, was very confident that his team was not going to employ, as he says, a whole tank, wholesale tank strategy, which means um, basically um, just rebuilding from the bottom up and using the draft picks from the James Harden trade as the biggest reason why they're not doing the wholesale tank strategy, which honestly you trade away Covington and P.J. Tucker and James Harden, I feel like it is a wholesale tr tank strategy, just in my opinion. But I guess um, Raphael Stone believes differently. Um, this uh, article came from ESPN, but you could look all over the internet, and there's multiple articles that are telling you the same situation. This is like a legitimate, real deal um, situation. So Raphael Stone started out by saying, um, after that, I would for sure 100% do that deal again. Again, you guys don't have the advantages of knowing everything I know, but literally no part of me regrets doing this deal. 
I have not second guessed it for a moment. So as I go down, I'll just discuss everything as I come up. So I would for sure 100% do this deal again. I mean, I think in that sentence he's covering his own ass because he probably knows, you know, he must, must know he fucked up big time. I mean, uh, excuse the language, he, he messed up big time. And you had, at the beginning, two teams with a lot of interest, Philadelphia and Brooklyn. And Philadelphia seemed like the preferred destination for James Harden. And James Harden offers from Philadelphia were basically Ben Simmons and whatever draft picks they could offer. Um, they did and still do owe a first-round pick to um, the OKC Thunder, which has protections, and so obviously you have to you would have had to monitor that situation in some way, shape, or form. So compared to Brooklyn, you wouldn't have been able to give up as many first-round picks because you have to deal with that. But the deal they had was Ben Simmons and draft picks, which if you're looking at this and saying James Harden doesn't want to be here and that's the best offer Philly's throwing at me, I would have taken that. It seems like the Rockets wanted Tyrese Maxey or Matthijs Tabule. Or Shake Milton, I think uh, Maxi was the guy they coveted. And so they were like, okay, we'll do Tyrese Maxi, Ben Simmons, and draft picks, which um, Raphael Stone would have accepted that. But obviously Philadelphia said no dice. You're giving up an all-star perennial young talent in Ben Simmons. That's more than enough for a guy in James Harden who has his issues, his injury problems, his, you know, difficulties as a player dealing with coaching situations and so he's not the easiest person to uh, have to coach and if you go into a situation like that you're gonna have to take some risk and so they didn't want to give up any more than Ben Simmons and I think rightfully so because James Harden with Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and Shake Milton and all these other pieces would have been just enough to keep them to be a championship caliber team they would have pushed them over the edge because I think James Harden fills in so many needs. And then you would have had a starting lineup of most likely Seth Curry, James Harden, Danny Green, Tobias Harrison, Joel Embiid with um, Shake, Matisse, and um, Tyrese Maxey off the bench. That's a very good group. And I think you get rid of the Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons situation. But they said no and we're done with Philly. So Brooklyn came through. And most of the articles, most of the tweets, most of the Facebook posts, whatever, uh, on social media said that a deal constructed with Jared Allen, Karius LeVert, Torian Prince, Spencer Dinwiddle, and draft picks was enough to get this deal done. And that's what everybody uh, basically said those guys in some form would be thrown into a deal to make it work. And what we ended up getting was three of those guys got moved. Um... Spencer Dinwiddle ended up getting hurt, and um, so he was out of the picture. I'm not 100% sure if he got hurt before the trade or after. I think it was after, but either way, he wasn't involved. You trade away Karius LeVert to Indiana, Victor Oladipo, who in theory, when healthy, is a better player than um, Karius LeVert, but he has one year compared to three years for LeVert's contract. Apparently, Old Depot didn't even want to be in Indiana and was going to get traded anyways um, and probably just not resign. So they work out as, um, you know, better in the end for Indiana in this deal. 
Oladipo goes to Houston, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And then they don't get Jared Allen, who goes to a team in Cleveland, and they don't get Torian Prince because he goes to Cleveland. And they get Dante Exum and Rodrigo Krukos uh, and Victor Oladipo and a bunch of draft picks and pick swaps. So from the Brooklyn Nets, they don't get the three, four guys that everyone's talking about. They get Rodrigo Krukos. Um, and he doesn't even stick around. He gets traded in a P.J. Tucker deal. So, yeah, Houston kind of messed the ball up on that one. And I personally wouldn't do that deal again. I wouldn't have done the deal in the first place. They wanted a pick from Milwaukee, which Cleveland had. And odds are it's going to be at the bottom of the first round, meaning that it's not going to be good. And honestly, that pick is not going to be as good as Torian Prince. It's not going to be as good as Jared Allen. It's not going to be as good as Carries Levert. You're basically getting a draft pick, which maybe is a little bit better for you because you want draft picks, but I would have rather had the Christian Wood-Jared Allen power forward center combination rather than the 2022, which became a 2023 Milwaukee Bucks first round pick, which is going to be probably number 26, and it's going to be some shooting guard or point guard who doesn't matter because he'll be on the bench for three years and then move around. So... You messed up big time on that one. Doing it again, uh, that's not the case. Now, moving on to the part in which you say, you guys don't have the advantages of knowing everything I know, um, and that he doesn't regret doing the deal and have not second-guessed it for a moment. So, what advantages do you know? What do you know about the Brooklyn Nets situation that we don't know? We all know that Brooklyn could explode at any point because you got three guys in Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden who are all big personalities and big heads, and they all collapse uh, together. That could cause a problem. They come together, it could explode. We all know that. We all know that there was a lot of risk for um, the Brooklyn Nets, but for a team like Brooklyn, their draft picks don't matter because they're at the bottom of the first round. If they can win a championship this year, which honestly with this group, they're the favorites. And if uh, things go their way, they could be, within the next three to four years, have multiple championships on their roster. And multiple rings coming to Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. And so for the Brooklyn Nets, it really was a situation where, yes, you lose out on Jared Allen, but would you have wanted to pay him whatever he's asking? Probably not. You know, Torian Prince is a good role player, and maybe he'll get something somewhere else, and that's fine. Karius LeVert's the only player in that trade that I honestly say they're going to regret getting rid of, but James Harden's much better than Carries LeVert, and like I said, if you win championships, it all works out in the end, right? And, you know, Brooklyn added in a bunch of great pieces. They still have Joe Harris. They got Bruce Brown, Landry Shamit. They're okay. So for um, the advantages of knowing, um, they don't have these advantages of knowing everything that Raphael Stone knows, I think he's just calling his bluff, and I think he's just kind of saying that to be like, well, you know, I, we knew information about this situation that made it worth it for us to make this trade that nobody else knows, which I think is complete BS. There's nothing there. Um, honestly, you're just trying to cover your tracks. You're just trying to cover the situation because everybody out there is saying that you guys lost that trade big time. And then with the Oladipo aspect, Again, you lost that big time, and so you're trying to cover your tracks and be like, well, well, we knew information that made us, um, you know, make this deal, and we have inside track on something that nobody else knows, which uh, 
you know, made us uh, do this deal, right? And so, you know, I think that's all just BS. I think he's trying to cover himself up for the biggest mistake in his first year. You know, it's your first year. You have a superstar who doesn't want to be there. You have a new head coach who's kind of in um, a lot of uh, deep water because he just has to try and deal with the whole situation on his own. It's a rough situation, and you are trying your best to make it work, and it's just not working. So, you know, here we are, um, and that's just kind of where I see it, and that's uh, that part of the conversation. Um, and so he also says, a lot of what I say about being in a position maybe to not have to be bad to rebuild. There's some other things that we've done too, but it's primarily that deal that allows allowed us to say, hey, we want to compete on a slightly quicker time frame. We're not going down this path of intentionally trying to lose games for years on end. Literally, your team's going to be garbage. You have John Wall who can get injured in any second and can be out for a whole season. You have Eric Gordon who, odds are, is going to get traded at some point. He's hurt right now, but by the offseason, he'll get traded. Your team has a bunch of young guys. Kevin Porter Jr. had his issues and was out of the league for a little bit because um, some some issues he got suspended for a little while. You got Kevin Martin Jr. and J.C. Tate. I think J.C. Tate's a decent second-round pick, but put him on any other team, give him less minutes than you're giving him now. He's just not going to be good. Your team is going to have to do a full-on rebuild. You're going to have to do a full-on let's tank and get top draft picks I know for your fans, you you are trying to say, oh well, this is going to be, you know, something that's a little bit of a quicker uh, time frame. We're not going to go down this uh, full-on rebuild. We're going to kind of retool a little bit, and this is what we're doing. I mean, Houston Rockets fans know this is a rebuild, a full-on rebuild, and I think Houston Rockets fans would be totally pissed off if you keep saying this and you try to do this half-assed rebuilds of, oh, we're going to, you know, speed up the timeline a little bit. And, you know, not go full rebuild. I think Houston Rockets fans would rather have you just go down the rabbit hole of full-on rebuilds and take these draft picks, top five picks, and get superstars and, you know, get a guy in the 2021 draft class that's amazing and turn him into a superstar and start over and kind of work your way up. And I think that's what usually needs to happen. And you're saying, oh, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to kind of, you know speed this up a little bit, which I don't know how you can speed it up, but um, that's what he, he is saying at this point. Not going down this path of intentionally trying to lose games. I'm going to start um, and throw this in there um, just as a, a side note. You're not going to have to intentionally, intentionally lose games. You're going to lose games because you're just a terrible team. And intentionally losing games is not something you're going to do because you won't have to. You're not going to win against the best in the East and the West. And there's a lot of teams that aren't that good that you're not going to win against either. So that's the situation there. So Houston gets Victor Oladipo and then they trade him away for Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and 2022 first round pick swap rights, which I believe this includes Houston and includes Brooklyn, and it includes Miami. So my assumption is the better of the two picks from the Brooklyn Nets pick in Houston and um, the pick from uh, Miami, I guess the Rockets would get the best one. Odds are they're just going to keep their pick because odds are they're going to be at the bottom of the Western Conference, and Brooklyn and Miami will be playoff teams, so you're not going to 
easily um, get any other pick but your own there. So that was a waste. Olenek's a free agent. Avery Bradley's a free agent. You're not competing, so they don't matter. Um, that was just uh, something right there. You know, and that's the situation. And then Raphael Stone, Raphael Stone said that the Rockets made the deal after determining um, that the fit with Oladipo, who will be a free agent this offseason, wasn't a good one, and mentioned opening up more minutes for 20-year-old guard Kevin Porter Jr. as a benefit of this trade. Now, I do believe Kevin Porter Jr. will get more minutes because of this trade, but the thing is, you didn't have to make the deal with Brooklyn. You could have went somewhere else. James Harden was still a guy under contract, and so you had no obligation to listen to what he had to say. And you could have traded him to Dallas. You could have traded him to any team. You getting Victor Oladipo and then trading him away was a waste because you could have gotten someone else in this deal. If you didn't want Kerry Silvert, if you didn't want Jared Allen, if you didn't want Torian Prince, there were a whole host of teams that would have taken on Karius Levert and would have given you draft picks back or would have given you young assets or something. Saying that, oh, we determined he wasn't a good fit, why trade for him in the first place? What's the point of that? Because you didn't get anything back in return, and he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be with the Pacers, who are a playoff team and have been a playoff team for the majority of his career in Indiana. Why would he want to not stay there and then somehow stick around in Houston, which is a much worse team? Their best player just got traded in that deal. Obviously, he's not going to want to be there. Yes, I think Kevin Porter Jr. will get more minutes, but odds are he would have gotten a lot of minutes anyways because you would have had Oladipo at the shooting guard and Porter Jr. at the small forward, which um, that wouldn't have made too much of a difference here. Um, I just think the whole thing is uh, insane to me, um, just in general. So there is uh, that situation there. Um, and so Houston owns the Brooklyn Nets' first round Rounders in 2022, 2024, and 2026, the Milwaukee Bucks 2023 first rounder plus first round uh, swaps with Brooklyn in 21, 23, 25, 27, and a 2021 pick swap with um, Milwaukee, which most likely um, the Bucks first round pick in 2021 will go to Houston, and Houston will get a uh, will give up a second round pick of their own in 2021 to the Milwaukee Bucks, which most likely will be top 10 of the second round. So, keep going with what Raphael Stone is saying. One of your colleagues texted me the day after the trade, and they said they would evaluate me in 2027. Um, and basically, that's what I guess ESPN said to him, or someone said to him. And then Stone uh, replied, I told them, that that was too early. They should do it in 2030. You really can evaluate this deal right now because most likely the picks won't matter and you got nothing of value from the players. This deal was a trade that flopped and you should be um, upset that this is how it got done. Tillman Ferretta should be fucking pissed off that your team got this haul for uh, James Harden. He knew what was going on. He liked James Harden. He didn't want this guy to go for nothing. And that's what you did. You can argue that the picks could turn into something. But odds are in 2026, that pick's not going to matter. And so going in front of Tillman Ferretta and saying, hey, we got a bunch of first round picks and pick swaps. He's like, okay, great. What players did you get? And then when you tell him that you got Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, DJ Augustine, and... DJ Wilson, he'll be like, oh, okay, who else? And when you just tell him, oh, that's it, 
we didn't get uh, anyone else. Oh, Dante Exum. Uh, don't forget him. Uh, yeah, that's that's terrible. So uh, he might not be here by 2027, and uh, that's probably the best thing to do. Um, and here is some more stuff here um, that he says. I think we felt at the time that we did the best deal for the franchise possible. Obviously, that's my job, so I did it. Um, particularly given the type of things we got back. Yeah, it feels like you can't possibly know how you did for multiple years, like 3-5, something like that. But I feel good about it. I do feel good about it. You shouldn't feel good about it. It was an awful trade. And you didn't do the best possible deal for the franchise. The best possible deal, which was Ben Simmons in draft picks for James Harden, at least would have been something that you could have said, okay, we got this guy, he's an all-star caliber player, he could be the future of our team, he could be the number one guy, and I think Ben Simmons in Houston, being the number one guy, could have had close to an MVP season, because he wouldn't have to deal with Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and the other guys, he'd be the star. That would have been the best deal, but you did not get the best deal. You didn't get the best deal at all, so what you're saying is trying to cover up a failed trade you've been doing that and it sucks but um you guys messed up big time and if i was Raphael stone i would be worried about this season being his first and his last as the general manager of the houston rockets because you messed up big time on that one you know that's the situation um you know i think that's the place that they're in and so you've made a ton of mistakes uh, the Houston Rockets have for sure. You have basically Chris Paul traded for Westbrook with a bunch of draft picks. Now, most of your first-round picks are protected top four, meaning that if they're outside the top four, they go to OKC. Some pick swaps involved um, in that sense. But then you trade away Russell Westbrook for John Wall in a first-round pick. You basically messed up on that one because I honestly could argue Chris Paul is a lot better than John Wall. And you traded away a lot more draft picks for a situation in which now you just get one from Washington. You do have uh, selections from Portland, Detroit, um, like I said, the Wizards. And so that's kind of the situation there. You have um, a bunch of draft picks which you can build around your young core, which is Christian Wood, uh, Porter Jr., and rookie forwards J.C. Tate and K.J. Martin, both of which probably won't matter. I think J.C. Tate's a decent rookie for a second-round pick, but he probably won't pan out at the end of the day. And so, for me, this trade was a failure. All these comments are Raphael Stone covering his own ass and trying to save himself because I think he knows it was a terrible situation. I think Tillman Ferretta knows it's a terrible situation. I think the team knows it's a terrible situation. Granted, James Harden caused a lot of problems at the end, and he was not you know, someone who went out gracefully. He definitely made it a lot more difficult than it could have been and should have been. But at the end of the day, you failed because of the package you got. And at the end of the day, these draft picks will not matter. Maybe in 2027, when you're doing a pick swap, it could matter. But odds are it won't. These picks will be anywhere from 20 to 30. That's what you'll get. Maybe you'll get lucky and find a diamond in the rough, but odds are you won't even do that. And you didn't get any good players. You're going to have to full-on rebuild. And I'm sure at the end of the year, or maybe at the beginning of next year, Raphael Stone's going to come out, and hopefully he'll come out and say, I messed up on this James Harden trade.
big time. I messed up on the Kelly Olynyk trade with Victor Oladipo, big time. And I want to apologize for my mistakes. Houston Rockets fans, we could have gotten more, and we didn't. He wanted to be greedy. He wanted extra, and it didn't work out. You know, it was similar to the Kyle Lowry situation in a sense that, you know, Toronto was definitely being a little bit greedy. Okay, we want Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Debule for this guy. Oh, we want Tyler Hero. Oh, we want this, we want this. But the difference is, they didn't trade him away. Houston did, and Houston basically took what was left on the table, and it was awful. So, Houston failed. Raphael Stone honestly failed. And I don't think he'll be around by 2027 to evaluate the trade in front of them. I know Daryl Morey, if he was still here, wouldn't have made that trade. I know, you know, some of the greatest general managers, Bob Myers or Danny Ainge, wouldn't have made that trade. And as much as teams, you know, covet draft picks, it's just not the right situation. So if you had gotten Ben Simmons and you said, look, we got a bunch of draft picks, we got Ben Simmons, it's not the best deal we were hoping for. We wanted a little bit more out of Philadelphia, but this was the best we could have taken. And we're going to kind of slowly rebuild um, and retool a little bit and not full-on rebuild. Then I could have been like, okay, I understand where you're coming from, right? Because you traded away James Harden for Ben Simmons and draft picks. And while the draft picks from Philly don't matter, Ben Simmons matters. And maybe down the line, two or three years from now, when you got open cap space, he has friends and superstars will come and join Ben Simmons. But no, you're stuck with draft picks and bench players and that deal was a flop.